Hi there, Tom D'Antoni at World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason for another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation, now in our second year. Today, Pete Krebs is in the coffee shop with me. Maybe you knew him as a rock star with the band Hazel and with Elliot Smith, or maybe when he did a 180 and founded a gypsy jazz band in the late 1990s. The delicious swing of stolen sweets followed that, followed by Honky Tonk and Country. His band, The Ernest Lovers, is tearing it up currently. Ernest as in Ernest Tubb, you know. Along with Pete Krebs and the Portland Playboys. He's one of the most interesting people on earth. And that's not a beer commercial, friends. It's been quite a trip for Mr. Krebs. Let's meet him, shall we? Pete, welcome to the cupping room. Thank you very much. I'm glad to see you. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. Last time we, we sat down and talked, it was a, 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 a table outside a coffee shop. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what Do you remember when that was? What the date was? Man, that was four years ago? At least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do remember I had to take a call from Storm Large during the interview. Right. That was bizarre. Yeah, well, uh, you know. Uh, you're a popular guy. No, so. I'm not a popular guy. <laughs> but it is nice. You owe a lot of people money then. It's that <laughs> well, that could be. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so uh, let's catch up a little bit. Uh, you, you basically got one band working. Or are you, you still or st- uh, Stolen Sweets just played last week. Are you still part? Nope. Okay. I'm not playing with the Stolen Sweets anymore. Uh, quit the band about a year and a half ago, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Uh, and currently, my two sort of organized uh, groups are the Ernest Lovers mm-hmm. and then the Portland Playboys. Uh-huh. The Ernest Lovers uh, is a project with my partner, Leslie Bia, mm-hmm. and uh, we are writing original tunes in the style of, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s classic honky-tonk music, uh-huh. um, and, you know, also playing a lot of obscure covers and, and yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, we play as a duo all the way up to a six-piece band. Wow. Uh, and then the Portland Playboys are my Western, or is my Western Swing Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just play twice a month, second and fourth Fridays, happy hour at the Secret Society. Uh-huh. And uh, got some real great musicians playing with me there. Keith Brush, Sean Bass. Uh, yeah. uh, well, he's been playing with you forever. He's been playing with me forever. Uh, James Mason on violin. He was so good in Lolita. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, Ian Miller on lead guitar. Uh-huh. And then uh, we have two steel players now. Whoa. Uh, Rusty Blake and Jeremy Wakefield, wow. who are, in my opinion, two of the best traditional uh, steel players on at least the West Coast, if not the whole country. Do they both of them play in the band at the same time? Yeah. How does that work? They just trade back and forth. You know, I somehow yeah. managed to corral the two best steel players. I, I know, <laughs> my two favorite steel players. Yeah. So, uh, and then, you know, throw Ian and James in the mix. And, you know, uh, being a band leader, it's just kind of like a team dream band because you know I just set the song up, sing a little bit, and then I let them go. And they, it's like uh, uh, four hummingbirds flying around in a cage. You know, <laughs> you just fly around for a while, and then we we bring it back in, and it's just you know next thing you know the uh, 
you know, the whole crowd is uh, with us and everybody's dancing and it's just a great time. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Are those, you, you playing traditional songs or your own or? Uh, with that particular group, I've written a few things in yeah. the style, more of Western swing kind of <laughs> thing. But yeah, it's just traditional stuff. And, and what's cool about it, it's, you know, the vibe that we have going is that really great um, uh, sort of connection between jazz and country music yeah. that, that started to come about in the mid-late 40s. And uh, so it's, you know guys that that you know can play over changes and but we're we're yeah. playing music that's yeah. equally yeah. influenced by uh string string band music uh -huh. you know fiddle music and whatnot uh -huh. and uh um so it's really great you know there's a lot of room for improvisation and just uh, you know uh um yeah it's just a lot of fun yeah i only do, i only play gigs that are fun anymore well, that's good. <laughs> I only play with people I like playing with and play gigs that are fun. Well, that's probably, that's <laughs> probably the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, but I it doesn't so. always work out that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and so the so the other band. Uh huh. The other band, the Ernest Lovers. Yeah. Uh, we is, there, is that Ernest Tubb? Yeah, named after okay. Ernest Tubb. Yeah. And my partner Leslie and I uh, started that up little over a year and a half ago uh -huh. and uh, you know it's sort of born uh, out of our mutual love for just old classic country music uh -huh. you know um, and what's really great well, there's a number of things that's, that's, that I find really great about that band uh -huh. um, it's just an opportunity to sing uh, a harmony duets uh -huh. with Leslie the male, whole male female harmony thing is yeah. just so great and it's such a cornerstone of the music that I like to listen to yeah. um, and she is a, a phenomenal singer and you know it's a project that has um, even after 40 years of being a musician you know yeah. I'm I, I'm learning a lot uh, having an opportunity to work with her but then also sort of explore the genre you know, uh -huh. I've been a songwriter for most of my life, and right. it's really difficult to write a good country song. Why? Um, well, because you're working within certain kind of clear-cut parameters, yeah. you know, both uh, in terms of instrumentation. I mean, you don't have to, but, uh, you know, it, it's sort of uh, uh, chosen parameters mm -hmm. of instrumentation, uh, generally, harmonically, it's not, you know, uh, going off the rails too much. Mm -hmm. And it's very inclusive music, and so your goal is to uh, talk about very complicated things in the most simple way possible. Wow. You know, and yeah. so it's very much yeah. a reductive form of songwriting. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of room, at least in the way that I approach it, for fluff you know I mean you uh -huh. just have to be and maybe that's true I'm sure that's true for you know other genres as, w as well but this is uh -huh. kind of what I'm immersed in right now yeah yeah it's, so it's really yeah. cool it's just been really like eye-opening for me to do this yeah so. so what kind of subjects do you write about in these songs well do, uh, do you stick to the to the to the, to the, the general honky tonk country kind of <laughs> you know I try topics? not to I try yeah. not to because 
you know, all that. Because that's, it's you. What's that? Because it's you. Yeah, because it's me, and you know, I didn't grow up in that culture, yeah. so you know, I mean, uh, you know, I can write a perfectly good honky tonk song about mm-hmm. you know heartbreak and the truck and the dog and yeah. you know everything else, <laughs> but um, I like the idea of thematically and lyrically pushing the boundaries within the 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 scope of a more traditional feel uh-huh. and uh so i don't know you can't really improve on the great songs anyways you know like all the great honky tonk songs yeah. i think have probably been written already yeah. you, know, you might yeah. luck yeah. out and you know f- i don't know find your way through a a well traveled path uh-huh. in a in an impactful manner uh-huh. but uh, you know i i feel the you know, um, thematically, once you kind of separate yourself from adhering too closely to that, mm-hmm. it just creates a lot of room. And so, even though you might be um, commenting on, you know, interpersonal relationships or, yeah. or uh, uh, I don't know, economics or yeah. social inequality or right. just plain bad luck or mm-hmm. whatever, um, you can go at it with with a very personal thoughtful sense uh, as well as um, a more inventive use of language that's, you know, closer to where I'm coming from, you know. Well, there's always, everyone has bad luck and trouble. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, again, this gets back to the idea of, you know, you're talking about um, complicated but very common uh, human experience, but you're trying to be inclusive about it. You know, you're trying to connect with people so that, you know, they listen to it and they go, yeah, that pretty much, I, that resonates with me. I get that. Yeah. And um, so as a songwriter, that's, that's just, you know, it's really fascinating to me. It becomes much less of like a just personal exercising of demons or, yeah. you know, showing off how many four-syllable words I know. And, <laughs> um, you know, really looking for just the right words to yeah. to talk about something which... Um, I've experienced directly or I observed directly uh, and you know uh, try to make it come out in such a way that Tom D'Antoni hears it and yeah. you know uh, uh-huh. says yeah yeah, I get that that's cool alright that has some depth and soul to it yeah. So. yeah are you still doing any Ernest Tub tunes? oh yeah yeah, yeah, what yeah. What is your favorite Ernest Tubtune? Well, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a sucker for the for the ones that you know really made it big, like Waltz Across Texas well, or Walking the Floor Over You. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, uh, Nails Walking in the My floor Coffin. Walking the Floor Over You is one of the, the it's, it's like the be, one of the best song titles ever in the history of the English language. Yeah, yeah, and a perfect it example. says it all. Yeah. In one in one sentence. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean that's a perfect example of, you yeah. know, my my what I was, you know, yeah. unnecessary, you know, expanding on us unnecessarily just yeah. a minute ago, you know, like yeah. You know. You don't need language. You know huh. you know you don't need You like know exactly a, what's going on with the, with Ernest Tubb when he sings that when he sings one that line. line one know? line. Yeah. And the thing also that I love about Ernest Tubb is that um Culturally, he is sort of a, uh, 
he's more than just a you know a, a, a great songwriter singer personality but he's also one of those cultural uh, icons uh-huh. that warms people to yeah. you know shared experience or uh-huh. or um, you know, place and time kind of thing. He's like a yeah. Will Rogers sort of guy, you yeah. know, where it's just sort of like there's there's not a lot of like real like edgy stuff to him. Um, you know, he's just sort of like you know the 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 old uncle or grandpa that yeah. you yeah. that you know you're always really happy to see. Makes you feel good to be yeah. around him. It that's that's what be, I get. Doesn't need to be edgy. No, uh, no, he really doesn't. And there's, yeah. you know, so <laughs> he, I, I really appreciate, it, especially in today's day and age. You yeah, know, uh, but everybody, everything has to be edgy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I oh. mean, <laughs> we we all want to rebel against something, and I think we all do, you know, off and on throughout our yeah. lives. But yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like being able to sort of rest in in these little inlets and coves, you know, every yeah. once in a while, and and. Uh, yeah, that's what I like about him. Well, you doing Ernest Tubb is in itself edgy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, considering where you, where you came from. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know? Well, you know, it's really interesting is that, you know, I mean, my background is in punk rock music. That's right. what I grew up listening yeah. to, and that was, you know, from age 10 in 1976 when I, I read a magazine article or a newspaper article about, you know, this new crazy thing that's happening yeah. in, in yeah. England, and I felt an immediate kinship to it. And, um, you know, so that's really what feeds my heart. I didn't grow up listening yeah. to country music like a lot of people did, but I recognize a there's a there's a line there. It's just, yeah. uh, to me, it's just the same music. <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain that, but it... Yeah. it yeah. pushes the same buttons for me now yeah. you know and I still listen to punk rock records but you know I grew up in Baltimore oh yeah which was right on the Mason-Dixon line yeah and so there was a lot of country and a lot of R&B at the same time you know yeah and I'll, but I'll tell you in, in 76 when you were 10 right I was doing a TV show on Maryland Public Broadcasting uh-huh. called The Critic's Place. I was called a music critic. Wow. Which was really uh. stupid. But, um, and I, I'll, I'll never forget <coughs> the two records that, that I, because I used to get records in the mail, uh-huh. which was like every day was Christmas. Yeah, totally. Because <laughs> here, here comes the mailman. He's got those boxes, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember there were two right around that time. Um, it might have been 75. Uh, I went up. It was the Ramones. Uh-huh. I had never heard the Ramones. The I was aware of the scene record. in New York because yeah. I was always up in New York. Yeah. And I, I that was that was a revelation. Uh-huh. And then Patti Smith. Oh yeah. And I'll never forget. So, you know, I mean, I knew who Patti Smith was. I used to go up and stay at the Chelsea when I would go to New York. Yeah. But I put that record on, and I heard those first few notes, and heard her say. Jesus died for somebody's sin, but not mine. Yeah. And I went, holy shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, especially, you know, in the milieu of what radio was like at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, yeah, yeah. and kind of, you know, disco culture and everything. Disco and Fleetwood Mac, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> I, right. Even back then, I thought that, you know, m- most... Uh, disco sucked. Yeah, pretty much radio just sucked back then, you know, I, I just, you know, I mean, I, uh, 
even then, even at 10 years old, I was like, man, this is lame. Ario Speedwagon, give me a break, know, you know? And I then know, all of a sudden, like yeah. you said, that first yeah. Ramones record came right. around, and, right. and uh, you know, certainly the Sex Pistols and, and the Clash sure. were the first band that I really loved. And, sure. uh, you know, and it just kind of spiraled from there uh, and uh, placed me square in a on a dark dark road that i've been on ever since <laughs> you know that has led me but to earnest tub tub. dark no i know no i'm just i mean i'm just i'm just <laughs> messing around but know. you know i mean like it to me there's just a there's a thread man you know there's just yeah. a thread it just makes sense and i know i'm onto something because there's an awful lot of people who are really interested in and who listen to classic country music who have yeah. a similar background to me you know they sure they, it makes sense to them and and i don't i haven't put enough thought into it to really be able to articulate what it is but it's just yeah yeah, yeah it's to me it is outside you know oh, it's, it's still totally outside, outside. Music. yeah it's completely outside it doesn't have to be outlaw country no. music you know no, i mean it, no. it, it, and 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 um uh and it, i mean to uh, what we now call hipsters, it's really what's it's it's foreign. It's it's like it's 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 noise. It's it's not what is this? You know, right. it doesn't go one two three four, and it doesn't you know you can't you can't dance to it. Boom 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 right. boom boom boom, yeah. boom. You can't do that. Yeah. Uh, and um, so yeah, no, totally, totally. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's um, disco was I was. I got a job in TV in Baltimore. Uh-huh. I was it was a really popular TV show called Evening Magazine, uh-huh. and I was a story producer. Uh-huh. And that was at the height of disco, uh-huh. and I did everything I could to subvert the paradigm. <laughs> I would write copy for the talent to read yeah. that would say, "Well, now that disco's dead, <laughs> kid." <you know." laughs> yeah. Well. You, you know, have to take those opportunities when you get them. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, also with the benefit of hindsight, you know, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, I think, you know, when I listen to disco music, I still really don't like it. But I do know that, you know, for a lot of people, that was their entrance into culture. Right. Yes. Uh, yes. A culture that made sense to them. And, right. and I think that that's totally rad, you know. Well, yeah, everybody gets in, you know, where they can. Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I was always a, I was always a rocker, and um, uh, and then one day somebody handed me a Mahavishnu Orchestra record. Oh yeah, that'll that'll do it. <laughs> and that did it. That yeah. got me. That got me bang into electric Miles Davis. Yeah. And opened up jazz for me completely. Sure. Yeah. 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 That's that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think my entree into into jazz was. Uh, Boy, it's probably either Charlie Christian or, uh-huh. or Django Reinhardt when I was really young. You know, I managed yeah. to get, I, I still have them. You know, a couple LP records. Uh, yeah. Um, man, you know, I was probably 12 or 13 when I picked those up at Recycled wow. Records in Monterey, California. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, you you had there, you you led the Django movement here. I mean, all of a sudden, you had the Kung Pao Chickens. Right. And then there were all of a sudden they were like. Ten other Django bands. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it would have happened regardless. I mean, you know, be, good music is good music, and you know, as um, you know, things bec- things became more uh, above ground with 
you know um, the the changes in the way popular culture was communicated via yeah. the internet and uh, but when I first got into the Django stuff, it was right at the end of the 90s, probably 97, 98, yeah. you know, got into it in terms right. of trying to learn how to play it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, w it still had a little bit of that, and I'm sure you will appreciate it, where you had to kind of dig to find it. There wasn't, oh, a, yeah. you know, there weren't totally. websites, there yeah. weren't, yeah. you know, and I bought my first Django guitar from a guy sight unseen in Holland. Uh, you know, <laughs> just that I found on the internet, you know, yeah. someone said, this guy is a guitar dealer or something like that, you know, yeah. and I yeah. emailed him, we went back and forth and stuff, uh, you know, just like total blind, like, okay, I'm going to send you $3,500, send me a guitar, you know, and wow. kind of stuff. And it was a real leap of faith. But, you know, what I'm saying is, is that it, it wasn't easy. And I've always kind of appreciated that aspect of culture. I like having to do my research and, and dig into it and understand the story around the thing that I like and mm -hmm. uh, so I was just really enthusiastic about it and I started up a jam session at the Moon and Sixpence mm -hmm. pub in Northeast Portland um, on Saturday after or Sunday after Saturday afternoons I think it was Saturday afternoons yeah. and um, you know one by one people would just kind of show up and start playing and uh -huh. those were the folks that started all the other you know 15 yeah. bands that, yeah. that came up pretty pretty quick <laughs> and so you know by starting a jam session I kind of wrote myself out of a job because for a while there you know I was just falling in the steps of uh, 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 you know uh, some of the older guys that were that were hip to that stuff and and uh, you know they weren't playing a lot you know like guys like brian darby mm -hmm. and james mason they weren't playing they had the band everything's jake right yeah and at that time they weren't playing all that much but they were the only guys in town that were really that i was aware of anyways that were playing gigs doing that uh -huh. style of music and so there was a little brief window of about six months where you know the kung pao chickens and then later django's tigers you know yeah. we we were able to to work quite a bit and yeah. and kind of get it out there and then all of a sudden whammo you know yeah. and uh, uh so i don't know if i started it but it just would have happened anyways I'm, i was just i just appreciate yeah. having an opportunity to experience you know a few years there of kind of mystery music you know i had to kind of illuminate the room foot by foot yeah. and and yeah. you know that's i always enjoy doing that it's what i'm doing with country music right now you know did you bring gary gunther into that band gary started showing up to the gigs and and asked if he could sit in and, uh -huh. and next thing i know he was in the band and and <laughs> you know uh that's just Gary's style, man. You know, he just yeah. shows up every week, and then after a while, you know, it's like, all right, there's Gary, you know. <laughs> and and uh, that was, like, such a – that was pretty cool because, um, you know, Gary has uh, deep roots in, in Portland yeah. music scene, yeah. and so I've always appreciated the opportunity to play with uh, people who are older than me who have uh, greater experience – um, in the uh, you know life that I've chosen and yeah. and uh, you know just listening to their stories and just kind of picking up on their vibe uh -huh. uh, is really important to me I, I like multi-generational music yeah. you know with Hazel you know we had Fred who was twice our age yeah. as part of the band and you know uh, 
I, I don't know. I just I've always sort of felt really strongly about that. It wasn't something that was done necessarily purposefully, but you know, mm -hmm. it just makes sense to me to play with play with the folks that have come before yeah. you and you know that's how you're really going to learn and now the young cats feel that way about you <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i don't know i mean that that just seems really weird to me but uh well it's obviously yeah obviously you know do, i mean you know? i i appreciate the opportunity <laughs> hey, if you know who he was he he, was, <laughs> and he did that and he did that <laughs> yeah oh man it's just all it's i'm glad somebody remembers that stuff because it's just a blur to me you know i'm just trying to remember <laughs> The, the timeline, that's, that's hard <laughs> enough. That's a full-time job right there. But, uh, no, I, I, you know, I teach a lot. I teach uh -huh. guitar quite a bit and um, just private lessons out of my home. And uh, I'll, a lot of my students, people I work with, kind of have an awareness of, you know, my history and stuff. Yeah. And so it's the first lesson is always a little awkward for that reason, you know, <laughs> as I'm just... I'm like, man, you know, I, I, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the fact that, like, I uh, somehow represent something or, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. uh, uh, inspired you to do this, but, uh, you know, uh, let's just get down to brass tacks and, like, just talk about music because we both really like it, you know, yeah. and, and, but I get that because, you know, there are an awful lot of musicians that I knew and met coming up, you know, from the 80s onwards that uh, I was the same way. You know, they were just rock stars to, to me. And, right. and so it's just kind of funny, you know, because I don't yeah. think of myself in those terms. You know, I'm just a, <laughs> I'm just a musician, you know. Well, you were kind of a rock star there for a while. <laughs> no, you were. Uh, yeah, I mean... Um, I was lucky enough to play music in a band in a cool scene in a cool town uh -huh. uh, at a time where all of a sudden the big lens and focus went wham you yeah. know and yeah. we were just caught in the headlights of that but you know we would have done Hazel you know being the band I'm kind of referring to uh -huh. you know we would have followed our path the same way regardless actually we, we probably would have done better <laughs> had, had, had we not received any scrutiny whatsoever you know kind of a pu more pure experience but uh yeah it was but how cool man you know i grew up you know playing air guitar to records you know really? yeah before i had the guts to play with other people like a lot like of to who what to what songs Oh, well, all the ones I was telling you, you know, all yeah. the Clash tunes and yeah. all the Sex Pistols, you yeah, know, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing and, <laughs> uh, you know, I hadn't figured out how to play bar chords yet and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and so, you know, I dreamt of what it would be like to be on a stage, you know, just uh -huh. playing loud music in front of a bunch of people that were really digging on it and I got to do that you know I remember very distinctly a couple of moments like I remember really clearly the first time I played with a drummer which was pretty amazing <laughs> uh -huh. I remember really clearly the first club gig I played in Portland which was at the Satyricon ah. um, I remember the first time what, what year was that 80 probably early 88 uh-huh late 87 early 88 yeah and then I remember really clearly Hazel's first gig at La Luna 
open up for a band called Cracker. They're the guys from Camper Van Beethoven. And yeah. they called us at the last minute to come in and open the show. And walking out on stage to a sold out La Luna, like coming from like playing Jeez, to yeah. 5,200 people, and then all of a yeah. sudden you're looking at 800 people. Yeah. And they get it. You know, like you finish right. your first song and you don't know how it's going to fly, and then all of a sudden yeah. everybody goes crazy. There's nothing in the world like that. Yeah. If, if you're a kid that's dreamt of doing something like that, you yeah. know, and yeah. so I'm really appreciative of having that experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you, how do you feel now when they do that? Well, I haven't played to 800 people in a long time. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, um, I just feel terribly fortunate. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I feel like. You know, I, I uh, have a very. I I see my path as probably being a lot more erratic than it is, but the fact that I, that I've been able to stay with, you know, playing the guitar and uh-huh. making music my life, yeah. the fact that I've been able to to do that now for. God, a long time, almost thirty years. Um, yeah. You know, professionally, right. and that it's been a constant for forty. Yeah. Um, it's pretty amazing to me. Like, I feel like, right. you know, if you subscribe to that whole 10,000 hours thing, yeah. I think I probably put in my 10,000 hours <laughs> and, and, uh, that feels really good. And so uh-huh. when I play a show, even if I'm playing to two people, which I do a lot, uh-huh. or I'm playing to 20 people or I'm playing to a bar room that's dancing, you know, and everybody's yeah. getting crazy or whatever, it's, it's the same sense of just real, you know, appreciation. Yeah. And, um, you know, anymore, my deal is just trying to be really present in those moments and to be really aware of, uh, the situation, the moment, um, you know, sort of improving my connectivity with the people in the room and the music and the other musicians. How do you do that? Um, well, one thing that really helped was quitting drinking. Oh, you yeah. know, I don't drink anymore. Um, it seems to always help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've tried off and on for years to, to quit drinking. And as a musician, you know, you're in bars all the time. And, yeah. you know, free drinks are just part of the deal. And right. um, so... I had a lot of women at one time. <laughs> the whiskey tore me down. <laughs> you know, uh, it's like... Um, it's a really difficult thing to, to give up, um, but it wasn't doing anything for me anymore. And until I can come up with a real good reason to do it yeah. again, yeah. you know, a way to sort of justify it in terms that indicate that it's benefiting me, I'm probably not going to go back to drinking. So just like clearing my mind was really helpful. Yeah. Um, I've had a really long interest in, um, Buddhist philosophy and so you know trying to address uh, uh, life using um, some of the ideas presented Uh has been really helpful to me Uh, you know I'm not you know it's it's a day-to-day thing and some days are are, uh, some days I'm a lot more connected than others but Uh You know, it's something I tell my students a lot too. Is just, you know, music is really the act of listening, and and if you're a musician, the your ability to um, 
do what you do is directly proportional to how well you're listening you know because that sort of answers a lot of the questions I think you know in terms of performance um, you know especially like if you're in an improvisational uh, environment uh, you know it's the difference between someone running a bunch of scales and riffs and and you know trying to blow the roof off the joint and there's certainly a place for that but then but I've never really been that kind of musician. Yeah. I, I'm just more into just like, again, it doesn't matter how many people are listening to me, but if I feel like I am hitting a fair amount of notes that I intend to hit, that I'm hearing in the moment, um, uh, then I feel that I've been really successful in in uh, in what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of a long answer to your question, but yeah, it's it's just all about the connectivity to me to me anymore. You yeah. know, uh, everything else works itself out. Right. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so how did you get from? I, I hesitate to call it grunge. Is it okay to call it grunge? Sure. Okay. Fine. Um, I didn't call it that. No. Huh? I didn't, didn't. I didn't name it. So you know. What did it, you call it? It's just rock and roll music. Okay. You know, loud rock music. Loud rock. So, I, what was the path from that to playing Django Reinhardt, which is the exact opposite, isn't it? Or is it? Uh, well, I don't know if it's the exact opposite, but, um, you know, really, it, it was an issue of confidence, and it was an issue of um, uh, thought and... and um, See, when I was young, mm-hmm. I had a pretty broad listening. Yeah. Uh, t- you know, my tastes were pretty yeah. broad. And, you know, even though I started off buying punk rock records, you know, at the same time I was buying jazz records, I was buying yeah. old country blues records, um, and some country stuff as well, mm-hmm. Western Swing. And... Um, so I was aware of all this music and I've always been the kind of person that I look at music like a lot of things in my life I, I like to take it apart uh-huh. and figure out how it works yeah. like a clock you yeah. know and um, so it just took me a while to f- to have the confidence to do that with, with certain styles of music uh-huh. you know like punk rock is, is sort of like um uh, is pretty easy on you. If you want to do it, you just do it. Yeah, you know, you do it yourself, and and make make there, there's no rules. You just do what you want. Yeah. But from the outside, things like jazz or even country music have an awful lot of uh, barriers that you need to address. You know, just in terms of technique or in terms of like, um. Uh, you know how well you think about harmony mm-hmm. uh, you know the way harmony moves and works and um, there's also there's lots of pieces that need to be in place in order to get sort of a comprehensive view of how the clock works mm-hmm. um, but a big part of that is just having the confidence to just say I don't know what I'm doing but I'm going to do it anyways sort of like mm-hmm. a do-it-yourself attitude and and realizing it's okay if you break the clock you can get another one you yeah. know and so <laughs> uh, you know when I started the Kung Pao Chickens 
um, I had never played swing music before. I'd never played jazz. Well, a little bit with some of the older guys that I used to play with, um, mm-hmm. Neil Gilpin and Tim Acott and guys like that, Billy yeah. Kennedy. Um, but um, I was really just like, you know, I had an idea of what it was supposed to be, and I just sort of went for it. And, um, you know, got my ass handed to me uh, <laughs> time and time and time again. Yeah, absolutely. Not necessarily by other people. Although by there yourself. Were, there were a few musicians that yeah. I ended up playing with who were pretty harsh. But for the most part, you know, everybody, everybody is um, really... We're our own worst critics. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. so for me, that was like the big thing is just getting over the mental uh-huh. barriers that I set up for myself, you know, saying, well, I... I don't know what I'm doing, you know, I, I need to go to school to learn how to do this, I need to, uh, you know, I should have started this earlier, you know, God, yeah. if I had just been playing jazz since I was 10, then I would right. be able to blah, 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 yeah. and you are where you are, you got to start where you are yeah. in anything in life, you know, and, and, it, and it's so tempting, I think, especially the older that you get, to feel that, um, you your life is is filled with missed opportunities mm-hmm. but to me you know what's important is just uh realizing that uh, no there are there aren't yeah. you know the first step is yeah. interest the first step is attraction the first right. step is desire and you know life is meant to be lived and you should if there's something that you want to do drop everything and go for it believe me it's going to be a lot more meaningful to you oh yeah um, yeah, yeah. In in the yeah. end. Yeah, no, I completely understand that. <coughs> About ten years ago, guy was compiling a bunch of photographs, right? And I got invited to be a part of it. And he had a bunch of words in a box, and you're supposed to pick one and put it on your forehead. Uh huh. And mine was risk. Ah, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's it. Yep. That's it. So I don't. Did I answer your question? Sure. Okay. Cool. <laughs> We're just talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I just like taking genres of music apart and figuring yeah. out how they work and try to put my own spin on it and yeah. enjoy myself while I'm doing it mm-hmm. and surround myself with people yeah. that love it as much as I do. And, you know, being in Portland as long as I have, I'm fortunate in that there's a, a lot of people who will give me the opportunity to mm-hmm. kind of grow and work uh, publicly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they'll give me a gig or, you know, let me play in their restaurant every Saturday for a couple of years as I figure out my yeah. my stuff, you know. And yeah, yeah. that to me is part of my uh, uh, progression. You know, I like to yeah. sort of take it out of the, the bedroom or the my little practice space and actually go out and... Mm-hmm see what sticks uh-huh. you know see what works what doesn't work see where I'm at you yeah. know but most importantly just like try to get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper uh-huh. in the moment with it yeah yeah you ever when when you're when you're practicing by yourself you ever get out the uh, you ever just sit there and do some do some power chords <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't really although um, you know I, I have students who are younger yeah. who are just getting into the yeah. uh, 
getting into the idea that they could play really loud power chords yeah. and how cool that is, you know, and they have their amps and stuff and like, yeah, you know, I'll yeah. go over to their house and, and work with them and, you know, they got big amps and stomp boxes and stuff and um, that's pretty cool. It's still fun. You yeah. know, I still like, you yeah. know, uh, I still like just playing really loud, but I don't really do it around the house too much because it yeah. freaks the dogs out. And <laughs> it's bad for my nervous system. Usually I've, I've had a little too much coffee to do that. You know, it kind of makes me a little wiggy, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, mostly at home. I play banjo actually. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, a, a guy, there's a guy in town named Brooks Maston. Uh-huh. He's a real peach of a guy and and he uh, he's from california as well uh-huh. grew up in the punk rock scene and stuff down yeah. in san pedro yeah. california and he taught himself how to make banjos clawhammer banjos by hand wow. and these five string yep yeah open back and um so he makes these beautiful very heavy brass and oregon black walnut clawhammer banjos wow. and i bought one a few years ago maybe three years ago now uh-huh. and that's what I do to just like get into get into my music brain because I don't know what I'm doing on it you know uh-huh. I, I can certainly make music on it but like if you yeah. ask me what chords I was playing or anything <laughs> like that or you yeah. know yeah. Yeah. what song I'm playing yeah, I don't know any songs on it but to me it's just like I love just sitting down at an instrument that I'm not too concerned with um, you know creating a uh-huh system of organization for yeah. it just like messing around with sounds and yeah. it just brings me closer to sort of the emotional yeah. uh, aspects of music that you have I, to satisfy yourself first well yeah I mean I just like to check in with that stuff as frequently as possible you know yeah. because it just makes it improves my life to do that yeah. you know uh, it's just really easy to uh, be distracted and yeah. and to you know get drawn into things that end up taking a lot of time that would be better spent focusing on you know uh, meaningful things Uh I don't know how to say that Uh but you know I get really distracted and so um, yeah I just I play banjo because well I like the instrument a lot Uh I like this particular instrument I have a lot yeah but it just has a quality to it that's really almost hypnotic, and um, I just I just get to exist in music for a little while, yeah. and I don't have to think about it. And and that then when I pick up a guitar afterwards, I find that I'm more I'm more focused, and um, my mind is more supple and um, broad. Uh-huh. You know, like I'm yeah. hearing things yeah. Yeah. a little yeah. bit better, and uh-huh. and I'm certainly more um, centered and focused in myself, which is benefits if I'm writing, which is going to benefit if I'm teaching, you know, yeah. benefit yeah. if I'm me if I'm just playing or trying to learn something new, you know. Have you ever played a guitanjo? No, I haven't. They're uh, really six weird. Six string. Yeah, like guitar band. Like guitar. Yeah, yeah, my buddy has one. Yeah, it's pretty. They're cool. really weird. Yeah, really, really weird because yeah. the neck is the guitar and right. the, the, the body is the banjo. Right. Yeah. And you, you know, you, and you hit, you hit a guitar. You know, you hit a guitar chord and you hear a banjo. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> they see that would be a little too close. 
that like I, I would be thinking about oh, okay here's a chord progression wow uh-huh. isn't that cool you know <laughs> like I uh, on the banjo I'll just try all these different tunings and uh-huh. stuff and yeah depending on where your fingers fall you frail yeah that's the style that I do I don't oh. do I don't oh. do uh, well I can do uh-huh. you know uh, three finger style but uh-huh. yeah I'm mainly a claw hammer banjo player oh that's interesting yeah that's a whole different thing it's a whole different thing nobody you know you never hear hardly ever hear anybody frailing you well, know. you know, uh, on the 13th... Thanks for the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the 13th of this month, uh-huh. which is this coming Wednesday at the Spare Room in yeah. Northeast Portland, which is up in my neighborhood, the Cully neighborhood. Yeah. The scenic Cully neighborhood. Um, I love the Spare Room, man. I just love it. Well, it's Leslie and I are going to be opening up uh-huh. the, um, I believe it's the 13th annual uh-huh. Portland Old Time Music Festival. And we're going to be singing some of our songs, but if you if you like the sound of Clymer banjo, yeah, um, and you know you're into really depthful uh, American music yeah. played on banjos and fiddles yeah. and guitars, um, yeah. there's a whole festival that's going through the weekend, huh. and uh, it's it's really really fun. There's lots of great musicians from out of town that come into town. There's dances, there's square dances, and it's just, it's a really sweet, awesome thing yeah. to check out. Yeah. You know, if you really want to step outside of, yeah. of what you're used to doing. Yeah. One of the first, I ever, first time I think I ever heard of um, uh, Freeling was, I was, uh, I, was a, I was a teenager in high school, and uh-huh. I didn't like the Beatles uh-huh. because they were doing Chuck Berry knockoffs, and nobody could beat Chuck Berry. Right, yeah. And... <laughs> Um, and so the big folk, the folk thing was happening then, mm-hmm. and uh, and I and I, I, I brought an I bought an album home. It was some cheap ninety nine cent knockoff, but it was it had little Maggie on it. Oh sure. And I can't remember the name of the guy who did it, but he was I learned later was like you know very well known. Yeah. But and there he was, frailing. Wow. <laughs> How cool. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, the whole um, folk, you know the song, little Maggie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the whole folk thing that happened in in the '60s was so cool. Um, yeah. You know, just the uh, the fact that you know people from that generation—I don't know how to say that—just having the opportunity to go see, uh, you know these original musicians that were cutting records in the 20s and 30s whether it was you know uh, a blues artist or a country artist or a bluegrass artist we've never known about Lightning Hopkins or or or, um, uh, Mississippi John Hurt oh yeah or any of those cats we would never have heard about them yeah yeah Yeah, exactly yeah Um, you know I I bought a lot of records that were uh press during that time yeah you know yeah. like stuff on folkways records and our Van- vanguard yeah vanguard you know and i mean everybody hates vanguard but you know I, still i don't know anything <laughs> about that but oh they had it, a bad, it, very, very bad reputation and uh, bad vinyl also oh uh, well yeah i mean i had some vanguard stuff i, I think um, yeah. i had a doc watson, doc watson. double album yeah. on vanguard and I, man i just don't even remember but uh uh, yeah, I loved all those records. You know, it, you know that's how I first heard Elizabeth Cotton. That's how yep. I first heard yep. Doc Boggs. That's how I first heard yep. uh, Mississippi Fred McDowell. That's how I mm-hmm. first heard Sleepy John Estes. You know, Absolutely. like all these, all these really, really, really amazing 
musicians and then also you know that led me to uh yazoo records yep. and that's where i first heard jug band music and that's where i first you yep. know yep. heard uh you know all the did time. you ever play with fritz richmond yeah did you uh-huh yeah he um i was part of a, a very short-lived little group with fritz richmond um becky kilgore huh Becky Kilgore. Becky Kilgore. I had no idea. Uh, and Stu Dodge, uh-huh. and Peter Schwimmer, uh-huh. and um, oh, fuck, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna remember. Uh-huh. There was, I think, one other person, but Fritz got in touch with me to sing in this band, which is pretty hilarious considering that Becky Kilgore was in it. <laughs> um, and you know we we rehearsed a couple of times and it, it never went anywhere. But it, just to get a chance to play with those folks was was really really cool. Um, and w- one thing that I will say, aside from you know all those folks just being sweethearts to me because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, Becky Kilgore is one hell of a rhythm guitar player. Really. Oh my God. Wow. Monster, like <laughs> swing rhythm player and i'm i don't say that about too many people but yeah. like yeah she she's really something have you heard the electronic stuff that uh danny barnes does on on, on banjo oh yeah holy <laughs> shit <laughs> it's pretty crazy he and i made a record together probably yeah? 15 17 years ago wow now in his double wide trailer up in washington <laughs> and uh uh, you know, talk about uh, kind of getting your ass handed to you. <laughs> I, you know, I my record label at the time set it up with him and uh, arranged for me to go up and stay for, you know, four or five days and make this record. <clears throat> and I didn't take it very seriously. Um, you know, I didn't come prepared. Yeah. I didn't really have anything. And he had written a bunch of tunes, and I showed up, and I just remember like telling him, "Yeah, I don't really have." <laughs> and I'll never forget that look, man. You know, it just—I was so, <laughs> so, in an instant, just like the most embarrassed yep. person. And you know, um, he's a really intense dude, man. You know, yeah. he's a really brilliant guy, and I really loved his band, the the Bad Livers, uh-huh. uh, which. Uh, still one of my favorite all-time bands and so i was kind of in awe of him to begin with but then to like kind of disappoint someone who you uh hold in such high regard so we 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 ended up learn that's how we learn man (laughs) but we ended up making the record and uh uh played a bunch of shows which was another every every one of which was another opportunity to have my ass handed to me because you know (laughs) i mean playing guitar solos next to danny barnes yeah who's just freaking out on flat top and on banjo and stuff is just like not for the faint of heart. And, uh, uh, but, uh, one thing that I'll, you know, I'll say about, well, two things I'll say about Danny, first of all, is that he is always expanding outwards and, you know, um, you know, he's been doing stuff with Bill Frizzell and, and, you know, just really like pushing the boundaries of, of, of his style of music and, um, you know, he this last year he won uh, Steve Martin's yeah. award for yeah. you know innovation in banjo, which was yeah. perfect. You know, for Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Um, but 
I played. Matter of fact, I've I've got uh, uh, a video of his up on the site right now. Oh yeah, it's our featured video. No, he's a brilliant musician because yeah. he, you know, it, it, he's he's still just a punk rock musician. He doesn't yeah. care yeah. what you think. Yeah. You know, he's just gonna do his thing, and he and Danny's really into his things. You right. know, and I love that. About it's funny. Him. It's funny about the whole, the whole punk rock mentality. Yeah. Because I had Monica Nelson in here. Do you know Monica? Uh, yeah, sure. We go yeah. way back. Yeah. Yeah, and she's still brilliant. She's she was always brilliant, yeah. Absolutely, and and um, uh, she does a gig every fourth Friday, every fourth Wednesday at the White Eagle, where they play acoustic. Oh, cool! And it's just absolutely magnificent. She's magnificent, yeah. right? But and even though she's it's not she's playing acoustic, so obviously it's not punk, right? And she's not she's not belting, yeah. You know, which she 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 tends to do, which is fine because that's her thing. But she said. I never lose the punk rock mentality. Mm. No, you don't. What is it? Uh, well, I think it's equal parts, uh, you know, do it yourself. Yeah. Um, not really feeling the need to be like everybody else. Yeah. Um, seeking out other people or uh, uh, projects or things that feel the same way Um, it also has to do I think with a fair amount of uh, skepticism and disdain for uh, the status quo Um, you know not necessarily like in a in a well I don't like that I'm going to rebel against it sort of way necessarily but more just like realizing how unnecessary it is you know it's not necessary to be like everybody else and uh uh, you know, it, that's a really courageous thing to think, especially when you're young, you know, and uh, especially back in the day when, you know, Monica and I were, were younger people, yeah. there, it wasn't, that culture wasn't as widespread as it is now. Right. But, um, you know, it's, it's a sense of being cool with apartness, being, yeah. being fine with the fact that you don't like me. Not yeah. you, but you know, yes. being being fa- being cool with the fact that you know people aren't going to dig how you look or right. how you think or what right. you want to do with yourself or how you want to express yourself, right. and um, you know, there's a strength in that that really brings life closer into focus, and I think that that's why it sticks with people so much because you can apply those um, ideas to everything, yeah. you know, raising a kid running your house yep. um yep. building a, a a a business the way that you know you spend your time uh it's all it's it's all applicable yeah. and so that's why i think that that sort of punk rock spirit yep. is still with a lot of people because you know y- you can't be 19 and you know uh necessarily and you know throwing elbows and and uh uh drinking and you know carrying on like that necessarily <laughs> you know it, it wears on you you know uh uh it wears on you in a lot of ways i'm discovering and uh i've got the cigars yeah, uh, yeah. me too man because it doesn't it, it isn't just punk yeah it goes way back oh yeah <laughs> goes way back you know when i was uh when i was uh, 20 um uh, 21 yeah, uh, I had hair down to my ass and crabs, uh-huh. and uh, I th- I would get thrown out of bars because I had long hair. Right. Yeah, I bet thrown out. Just get the fuck out. Yeah, you know, 
and you know always getting arrested by the, by the cops and then before me were the beats right you know i mean it's it's nothing new it's, it has never been anything new there was just that sort of demarcation with your generation right that called it punk rock yeah yeah i i, I absolutely agree you know yeah. because if you yeah. you know a lot of the people from that scene also into you know beat literature also yeah. into oh, yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. uh surrealist uh, art you sure. know like stuff sure. that came before you yeah. know it's just yeah. i think it's just a, a a very human dividing line as to yeah. how much of the game do you really want to play exactly. how important is it to you to be like everybody else and, right. and you know we you, you know we live in a world where for the most part everybody wants to be like everybody else yeah. and so um you know, you you kind of wouldn't know it here in Portland these days, but you know, I think everybody everybody's a rock star here. But you know, um, uh, you know, it's just a fundamental attitude, and I love that, and yeah. and I identified with it because when I was a kid, you know, I just felt square peg round hole. Oh yeah, it just yeah, I didn't fit in. People didn't like me. I didn't really like them. And right. when I found that there were other freaks in the world, it was like, right. thank God. Right. Well, that was the whole that was the whole ethos of, of Woodstock. Hmm? That all of a sudden, a whole generation realized that there were people like them, and that they weren't isolated in their in their town. Yeah, you know, they went somewhere, and there was a whole there were there were there were <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people who were just like them. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know, a lot of those people stuck with that. Oh yeah, um, yeah, idea. Yeah, you know, and and that's really shaped. Uh, the way things are nowadays, yeah. you know, just yeah. in terms of you know uh, culture, in terms yep. of commerce, in terms of yep. politics, in terms of yep. you know uh, a lot of things. Well, have we solved the problems of the world yet? No, <laughs> nor will I. But you know, as long as as I can just sort of keep waking up every day and yeah, doing good work and being happy. You I'm doing cool. any recording? Yeah, um, Leslie and I are going to be recording a record this year of new original stuff for the uh -huh. Earnest Lovers, um, and I'm right in the middle of writing that right now. Um, Is there an Earnest Lovers album that's uh, that's around? Yeah, we put out an EP uh, middle of last year, um, which we are out of physical copies we sold out of. Wow. Um, we will... I'm sure repress it when we have a little bit of money in the bank. But if you're interested in hearing the music, you could go to our website, which is it'll be on right here on the on the page. Great, yeah. yeah. It's also available on uh, iTunes and download, a variety of yeah download, places where you could download. Well, it. listen, um, we'd be nice to go out on a tune from that uh, from that EP. Great. What would you like to, us to go out on? Uh, do you want an upbeat one or do you want a slower one? I don't care. Let's let's Up do an you. upbeat one. Let's okay. do. Um, uh, San Andreas Fault. Very good. Yeah. Hey, thanks, thanks for for your time, Pete. It was Absolutely. really interesting talking to you. It always is interesting talking Thank to you. Thank you. Yeah, you too, man. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>